the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Mission Life Podcast. We are at the NRB event today in Nashville, Tennessee, and we have an opportunity to sit down with Britt Mooney, the author of Say Yes, How God-Sized Dreams Take Flight. Britt, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. This has been such a fun event. It's great to meet you guys. So many great people that I've never met before, so it's been fun. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great event. Um, we love we love coming here. Yeah. Britt, you've written this book about Say, say Yes, about saying yes to God. Where did what what prompted you? Where did the story come out of? So so this this is a narrative. The core of the book is a narrative of how God led the group I'm a part of, our church and our coffee company to do business differently, to do church differently, to do missions differently. And it's a total God story. And over the years, you know, we've served coffee at like the Catalyst Conference and the Orange Conference cuz they're all centered right there in Atlanta where we are. So we have we would tell people some of these stories and they go, you should write a book. You know, yeah. you know, you start telling these God stories of all this miraculous coincidences and miraculous ways that God brings resources and stuff like that. Like you should write a book and uh, okay. Well, you know, but I'm the writer of the group. You're like, I'm the, uh, I'm among the pastors, I'm the writer. So they were like, well, it's on you to write it. So, but, but that's kind of the core of it. And, but what we try to do in the book is to try to encourage people to say, look, you're probably not called to be a church planter or start a coffee company or maybe even go on missions all the time or something, but you are called to do something. Mm. You are, God has called every believer, every born again believer has been called. He's got something prepared in advance. The Bible says for you to do like when he thought about you, he thought about cool stuff he wanted you to do. And so what we try to do at the end of each chapter is lead people through that exploration of how do you find that God dream? And it's a God-sized dream. It's not a dream I understood. Like, I didn't come up with this, right? Whatever dreams that God gives you, you have to discover what that is because it's going to be bigger than you can imagine. It's going to scare you a little or a lot (laughs) because God doesn't give dreams we could do. He gives us dreams only he can do. And so that's why we've never even imagined that, you know, me being David as a shepherd out in the fields, like, I'm going to be king one day, right? I mean, like those sort of things like we just don't conceive of them but then god says hey during the worst recession since the great depression in 2008 you should start a coffee company right i mean you know just but but at the core of it is saying yes and so that's really the core it's a very simple message but it's like if you want to see god do these amazing things in your life we the only thing that we can tell you is we just said yes when it looked dumb when it looked crazy when it looked risky, when it looked like well, there's no way this is going to work. But when we knew it was God and we heard his voice and we prayed and we really sought him out and we, and we did what he told us to do, we saw amazing things happen. And that's, that's where we find those stories of adventure and mystery and all the stuff that we long for. We pay big money to go watch these movies on the screen. But that's the, mo- that's the kind of story he wants us to live. But at the core of it is starting to say yes right here where you are. And, and having that as your discipline. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what the book's about. That's why I wrote it. Wow. I know you just said saying yes where you are. Yeah. And that doesn't always mean you're going to stay where you are. Right. It can. It can. But it can also take you to different places. I know that you 
and your family responded and you said yes to going overseas and, and following God there. Tell us more about that experience and how yeah. saying yes led you on an amazing adventure. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, but again, it's, you know, how far back, you know, Genesis 1-1, like how far back do you want to go, right? right. I mean, like, <laughs> like, so, but in my life, like I learned you just, you do what God's telling you to do. Like that's the core of discipleship. The core of discipleship is hearing from God and doing what he says. Well, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do what I say. Like this is the core of it. And so, you know, my first, my first idea when I was in high school, oh, no, college was to be a psychologist and God shifted my thinking and made me a teacher, made me a high school teacher. I, and I literally said when I was in Talk about a say yes moment. When I was when I was a senior in high school, I looked at one of my high school teachers because he and I would butt heads. You know, <laughs> I know you think I'm nice, you know, but back, you know, when I was a kid, even though I was a Christian, we would butt heads. And I looked at him and I said, "I will never do your job." Uh oh. Mm. Well, God, you know, yes. heard that. <laughs> never say never. And uh, and here in the middle of of college, God calls me to be a a teacher, a high school teacher. Mm. And I'm like, great. Thanks God. I mean, you know, <laughs> talk about being humble. So, but my wife and I met and we got married and we were teachers. We're in teachers in Gwinnett County school system down there, you know, where we live in Swanee and stuff like yeah. that. And we love our jobs. We are rocking it. We are just doing a great job. We love our church. We love our, our families live there. Like it was the life we thought we could do this forever. Now we had talked about maybe living overseas at some point or maybe teaching overseas because my wife is a German teacher and so she's fluent in German. So we thought, well, maybe we'll, yeah, it wouldn't be cool. We'll go to Europe. And we had one meeting with a guy and Becca and I looked at each other. My wife and I looked at each other and we're like, we're going to Asia. Like it was like God had just, poof, you're going to Asia wow. where I'm too tall and I don't like the food. And I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb and I'm going to hit my head on, you know, doorways <laughs> uh, and I don't fit in the cars like he's that's where he's going. But it was like as clear as day, like we have to go. This is where God wants us to go. And so we just started that process of, you know, looking for different organizations and trying to find the right organization. And we even we were even we found an organization we like. And then we were given, we were offered a job in Seoul, Korea, this great school with all the benefits. And God said, nope. And I was mad <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, you've led us all the way here. And now no, like really seriously. So I signed my contract at school for the next year, but my wife wouldn't, she didn't sign, she wouldn't do it. She's like, no, we're going. God said, we're going to go. We're going to go. I was like, whatever, you know. And sure enough, there was another school in the same network about an hour south of Seoul that needed a couple teachers. And it wasn't exactly the right fit. But when we called, when we talked to the uh, administrator, the principal of that school, it was like, yep, that's where we're supposed to go. I mean, it was like, boom, it was just like that piece, you know, and I was taught you follow that. It might it might look weird, but you follow that thing that says, you know, this is it. I don't know why I, I, I can't explain it right now. But we said yes, and so it was a lot of sacrifice, uh, but it didn't feel like a sacrifice because when you're in that will of God, there is grief, right? Because we had to leave our families, we had to leave jobs we loved, we left friends. I mean, like we had a community, a great community. And, but, and so there was some grief with that, but there was also a lot of joy in knowing you were in God's purpose. Like this is where God wants, this is where God wants us in. And, I, you know, not that we, 
never look back. But it was that sort of thing where like what we learned over those four years completely changed us and wouldn't trade it for anything, man. I mean, the wealth of whatever we had, whatever we gave up, we got back, what was the Bible say? 10, 30, 60, 100 times more in this life and in the life to come. Whatever you give up, God's not a masochist. He's, he wants better for us. That's what he wants. But he wants better in the kingdom for us. Right? It's not just a better job or more comfortable. It's he wants more for the, in the kingdom for us. And so that was kind of our story of going to Korea. And we had another great community there. And it was just amazing. It was an amazing time. Hmm. I love how you mentioned, you know, following that piece where it may not always make sense, but you know that you know that that's what God wants you to do. And you follow that piece. And then as you are obedient in that, you also have that joy. You mentioned that having joy and living the purpose that he has for you. Those intangible things that are so real and so craved by people. We all crave those things. Yeah, right. I mean, the kingdom of God is not in food and drink, right? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so you, you got to follow that. I mean, that's what you're, that's where, that's how you know you're in the kingdom is when you're experiencing that joy and that peace. And that doesn't mean you have an easy life. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, this, mm-hmm. this is a peace that passes understanding, right? It's mm-hmm. a peace that goes beyond, I shouldn't have peace, but I do, right? Yeah, I shouldn't have peace. But I know, but, but, but it's all connected. It's all in relationship. It's all within intimacy. It's all within that intimacy with God where I'm walking with him. You know, the Bible very rarely says we do anything for God. But, we do, but he does things through, through us, and we do things with him. It's all about relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and just, you know, that's what we did. And then, you know, I don't, if this is a pattern, it's a pattern, right? But we got to the point in Korea where we were like, we could do this the rest of our lives. We are comfortable here now. We are rocking it. And God's like, okay. <laughs> now you're going to go back to your home country and live like a missionary there. Wow. Mm. Because everyone thought we were really cool living like a missionary in Korea. But when you move back, your parents and your friends are like, okay, well, now you're going to get do the 401k and buy the big house and you're going to have the nice cars and like you're going to be an American now, right? No. We're going to be a missionary. We're going to live like a missionary here. It, it was hard. For, it's, that's harder for people to understand, you know, because we weren't called to be an, a, a great American. We're called to be citizens of the kingdom and expressing that. It doesn't mean we don't have cars or a house. It just means we weren't chasing the same stuff that other people seem to be chasing. We were chasing something different, you know? And uh, so those are just some of my examples of just saying yes. But again, all of that at the core of that was, it wasn't a strategy. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to go to, you know, Korea for four years and then I'm going to come back. And like, it was just following God along the way and hearing his voice and making sure I'm sticking with him. Because as risky as it sounds, that's still the safest place to be. <laughs> you know, sticking with him is still that's yes. the safest place to be. Wow. So good. Sticking with him is the safest place to be. You know, we we try to protect our life. We try to protect those things. And it's like Jesus says, like, if you want to, you know, he who wants to keep his life, you know, right. like has to lose it, right? And yeah. those that want to, you know, who don't, like, man, like, it just... It's just a reversal of what our he flips. He flips everything upside down, doesn't he? Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about saying yes to coffee. Right. You know, everybody loves coffee. 
Um, and well, they think they do. At least. Well, <laughs> most people love coffee. Yeah, yeah, There's a lot of people, yes. <laughs> and you know what better thing than mixing coffee and ministry, you know, ministry and and all that, and, and you're making a difference in other parts of the country or other parts of the world. Yes. By the way you do ministry, by the way you do business, and you said yes to God. Tell us how God began to present you with that opportunity. Yeah. Well, we didn't. S- you rarely see some things as an opportunity when they come, right? I mean, like, you know, you know it was an opportunity. But, uh, you know, for, for us, you know, we started a church network called the Phoenix Community of Atlanta. And actually, we only had one church at the time. We have four churches now in the Atlanta area. And, but it was all to reach out to the broken and hurting. We wanted to start reaching out to the people intentionally and focusing on the people that Jesus intentionally reached out to. Jesus didn't try to start a church with the rich people. Like, he would go out to where the broken and the hurting and the lame and the sick, like, that's where he went. Um, and, you know, there were times he would invite himself over to the Pharisees' house and go eat with them. But I think some, you know, but there was always that tension with the rich and the religious, right? But it was, he would go out. So that's what we tried to do. And that sounds great until, uh, you know, there's a recession and the outside support that we depended upon kind of went away and wow. it was one of those things where and at the same time because of, of you know the biggest recession since the great depression in 2008 now there's more broken and hurting people that we need that we're connected to and we like there's more people that need help and more people that need ministry and it's like what are we going to do god are we going to just give up or we you know we can't we have to feed our families right i mean we can't you know, what are we going to do you know and god said start a start a company start a business that would help you pay for the administrative costs of the church. And so it was just an act of desperation. Okay. But again, it was saying yes. It was going to God and asking him and him saying, this is what you do. We say, okay, it doesn't make sense. But like we would have loved to like won the lottery or had some like really rich dude come in and be like, well, I'm going to fund you completely. No, no, you're going to work your tail off, right, at coffee. And it wasn't even coffee at the beginning, but we were trying to look for a business that fostered community Mm. because relationship and community is so important to Mm. us and so you know probably cigars is out and beer was probably (laughs) out you know right Uh, and so you know but when you ask people let's sit down and have a cup of coffee you're saying let's have a relationship and so we started Mm. we just got into it was one step at a time you know kind of like I don't know if you were at the ICBM thing last night when uh, Pat Robertson said that about his life he's like I didn't plan this. Like it was just one step, one step. And that's mm-hmm. kind of was our journey too. We we're just trying to keep our heads above water, doing something, right? And and God just kept opening doors one way after another. And you talked about coffee as kind of a really interesting avenue. Coffee is the second most traded commodity in the world. No, mm. wow. Oil is number one. Coffee is number two. And about six or seven people, middlemen and companies, and uh, they st- they there's transactions along the way from the farm to us having it here Mm -hmm. and so what we have found is is when we can bring redemption within that process when we can do it differently so we have direct relationship and and this is all god like this was not our idea either (laughs) um we were fine just buying cheap and making money but then god showed us like no that's hurting people that's hurting the farmers. That's not actually helping them. That's giving them slave wages in Panama or wherever. And so what, what we've developed and what God helped us develop was 
We, we vet our farmers. They are Jesus-loving farmers, raising some of the best coffee in the world because we don't want crappy coffee, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We have a saying that no cause is worth a crappy cup of coffee. <laughs> and, so, and so we call our coffee wedding feast coffee. Just, mm -hmm. like, just like Jesus, could have, he could have got away with bad coffee at the end of the wedding because people are a little buzzed and, you know, would have, wouldn't have noticed. But, you know, the head of the wedding, well, whoever the host was, he noticed. He's like, most people bring out the bad wine at the end because they yep. can get away with it. It's yep. cheap. Yeah. You bring out the best. Like, how do you, who does this? So we want to bring out the best. We, we want to have the best associated with the gospel. And so these are the best coffee in the world. It's roasted really well. And we pay them directly. And because we do that, the reason why they have to be Jesus-loving farmers and indigenous, because we want to help support them, is we're going to give them 10 to 20 times more than they were getting before with direct trade because we're cutting out all those middlemen. And if they weren't already being generous and didn't already have a heart of generosity with what they were getting, then what are they going to do with 10 or 20 times more, right? Uh, so, so our coffee supports 89 missionaries around the world. Our coffee, you know, church planters, it, you know, does things in Guatemala like we were talking about before uh, in that with education and just long-term stuff that's transformative in the lives of communities. And because we pay the, the farmers 10, 10 to 20 times more, they can pay their employees two to three times more, which means the men don't have to go somewhere else for a year for another harvest and come back and have another family in two or three different, <laughs> you know. It stabilizes families, it stabilizes mm -hmm. communities, it helps education, and it's just the ripple effects of doing things God's way, man, is just, we've just seen it in so many ways we never would have, never would have thought. We just thought we're going to start a coffee company to try to make some money so we don't <laughs> starve, you know, <laughs> uh, and God's, but God, what we follow God with it and he, and just look what he's done with it. And it's just been an amazing journey. And, it's, and we're still growing. It's still just one story after another. Like people keep saying like stuff will happen at the company and the church, and we're like, we're going to have to write another book someday because, like, stuff just keeps happening. You know, it's, just, it's amazing. Mm. So the subtitle is, you know, How God-Sized Dreams Take Flight. For the listener that has that God-sized dream inside their heart, but they're just, they don't have the know-how or they're too afraid to help it take flight or put, you know, put their hand to it to, help, to have it take flight, what would you say to them? Well, the first thing I always say is, well, there's two things. First, I would say, make sure you're hearing from God. That's, that's always the core of it to me. Like, if, it's hard to say yes to God if you don't hear his voice, right? It's hard to, if, if you're not, and that takes a discipline of prayer, or, you know, read, the stuff we know, right? You read your Bible, you pray, whatever. And then the second thing I say is be faithful where you are. Hmm. Because I think a lot of times people, like, when they have a dream, like, uh, when God gives them a dream of something, it seems so far away or so impossible or what all of that stuff. And they look around where they are and they say, well, I'm so far away. Like, I can, I can hardly manage my life here, <laughs> right? And God wants me to do that, you know? And, and so I, I just tell people, but God, God's called you where you are now. So be faithful with where you are now. Be faithful in your church. Be faithful in your family. Like, like do those things that you're called to now with God's strength and with God's grace and, and learn to love where you are. And you will, I guarantee, you will see doors open. And it'll surprise you. 
it won't be something you'll be able to just go, oh, in three months, like, but he who is faithful, he or she who is faithful of little, much will be given to them. Like, if you're faithful with this, you know, faithful with the, the five talents, right, mm-hmm. it gives you more, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that, that's what I tell people, man. You just, it, yes, hold on to that dream, but, but you have to kind of stay faithful where you are, even if it's in being a slave and then you're in the, in the prison. But God's dream for you is that you're going to be number two in Egypt, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's just sometimes you just don't know what you're being prepared for while you're being prepared for it. Uh, I, sometimes we just don't. Wow. But if we're faithful where we are, all those things will start to become clear in retrospect. Like, oh, that's what he was preparing. Me. That's what he was doing. Mm. You know, and so mm. that's what I tell people. So after you say yes, right, everything's smooth sailing from there, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you just say yes, you trust God, and and pretty much it's just cruise control at that point, or <laughs> yes, well, sure, right? That, that, that's what we want, right? <laughs> Um, here's what I tell people. I, I say, here's our, here's your choice. Y- you are going to have problems and issues because you're not following God, or you're going to have problems and issues because you are. Oh, wow. Mm. That's really good. So your choice is, do you want your problems and issues to be a result of your own dumb decisions and not following God and not, and him trying to correct you all the time? Or do you want your problems and, and issues to be the devil's after you because you're following God and you're building reward in heaven at the same time. Mm. That's your choice. Uh, that's, uh, that's everybody's choice. Like you're, you're either yeah. going to be following God or not following God, and you're still going to have problems. In this world, you will have trouble. Mm. That, that is a promise, but the next line is just as much a promise, but don't be afraid because I have overcome the world. The, the world the problems are in. Like the world, the problems are in that world, but he's overcome mm-hmm. the world that even produced the problems. So, so, you know, he, he, and God puts us in battles and, you know, it's just like with, um, with the Israelites, right? They get up to the, they get up to the, the Jordan river and he says, that land's yours. Now go fight for it. <laughs> like, the promise is there, but he, but again, it's about character. God's, God's after character in those moments. God's after relationship and intimacy and Joshua what was one failure of Joshua in that book was that when the Gibeonites came he didn't ask the Lord what was going on I don't know if you know that story but the Gibeonites came from they they were supposed to be wiped out and the Gibeonites were afraid so they dressed like they were from far away and they had moldy bread and they were like please please make peace with us and they were like nice okay well sure we'll make peace with you but they didn't check with God. And the Bible is very clear. They didn't ask God's input in that. And so it's all about relationship and intimacy and, and taking those steps, just hearing him and, and, and being humble and saying, I don't always know what to do, so you're going to have to help me. Even if I think I know what to do, you know better, right? And, uh, and so, but to me, when, we do, when we're following God, what that does is that redeems everything that's temporary into something eternal. All things work together for good, but there's a condition for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When you love God and you're participating in his purpose of redeeming all things, man, he redeems even the bad stuff that happens. So my choice is either I'm going to follow God and I'm going to have those issues (laughs) or (laughs) I'm not going to follow God and have different issues, but 
Mm. That's what I tell people. Yeah, and that re- eternal reward, you know, is such a good reminder for all of us, all the listeners, that, you know, we are storing up eternal treasures. And essentially that's, you know, with doing the coffee ministry business, you know, that is the ultimate goal is knowing Jesus. Yeah. And we have no idea what's in store for us. I mean, he promises these things, but they're so amazing. We can't even fathom them right now. Right. Yeah, we don't. You know, so I went bungee jumping when I was in Korea. And the first time I went bungee jumping, God showed me this is like faith. You're, you know, you're attached in your brain. (laughs) But when I jumped, this, this is what God told me afterwards, because when I jumped and I really didn't jump, I wanted to jump. I wanted to be cool, but I was not cool. Like people made fun of me because like my knees just buckled. Like I was so afraid, like, <laughs> and I, as I'm falling, the fir- at the, that first fall, my whole body is like, you're an idiot. You just killed yourself because the, 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 the ground is coming up at you really fast. But then when the bungee, when the bungee cord catches, and you, now you're on the ride. Now it's fun. Now it's like, oh, this is awesome, right? And the second time I did it right, I jumped and I was like Superman and I was cool. <laughs> <laughs> the third time I stood up there and I felt the fear and I didn't want to jump. And like literally my friends were like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Because I had done it twice before. Now I didn't, I thought I don't have anything to prove. Why do I have to do it a third time? Why do I have to face this fear again? And what God showed me is that this is the rest of your life. The rest of your life is jumping when Mm. I tell you to jump Mm. and just trusting me. It's never going to get easy. It's never going to be because he's going to keep pushing us out of our comfort zone. He's going to keep pushing us. And that's our story. That's the story of the people, our farmers. I mean, we got our farmer stories in here about how they said yes. There's amazing God stories in here of just going, okay, God, you know, you said uh, for our farmers, you know, God told them their dad died and they inherited the farm and they had $2,000 and God said, buy tomato seeds. And they said, well, God, you know, we're coffee farmers, right? You know, and they prayed again. God said, buy tomato seeds. So they bought tomato seeds. And like you say, we just don't know. So they jumped. Well, that year there was a tomato blight in Panama. And the only people who had tomatoes in the whole country were our farmers. Because you, wow. can, you can plant other crops in between coffee trees. Mm-hmm. So they were planting the tomato, tomatoes in between. They were the only ones. And so the price of, the price of tomatoes skyrocketed. And they wow. made a ton of money that year on tomatoes. Wow. But it was like, let me take all of our money and buy tomato seeds. Like, that's, just, <laughs> that's dumb, right? But... Again, God knows the end from the beginning. You have to trust him. In it. And, and that's just, there's tons of stories like that. But that's the life. And that's the, that's the adventure I was talking about. I mean, that's that mystery, that, that adventure that doesn't always, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. And, uh, but you're doing it with him. And that's what makes it amazing is, is he, you have him because he says, behold, I'll be with you. Go. I'm going to be with you. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me and I'm with you now go yeah. right and make disciples yeah absolutely wow so how can our listeners find out more about you find out more about the coffee company find out more about your 
this book? Where can people connect with you? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, you can go to my website, uh, Britt Mooney, B-R-I-T-T-M-O-O-N-E-Y.com. Uh, you can also, for the copy, if you want to order the copy and check it out, uh, a lot of people order online. Uh, that, that We have a retail business online that, goes, that is doing great, and we've got K-Cups and everything. That's Phoenix, like the city, but we're, not, we're in Atlanta, not in Phoenix. PhoenixRoasters.coffee. And, and in the book, Say Yes is on the copy website. It's on my website. You can get it anywhere that books are sold. Terrific. And if, one last question here. If you, for What would be your parting kind of wisdom for the person that's kind of on the fence? They have the dream in their heart, but they're afraid to take that last step. What would you say to them? Mm. Well, I mean, obviously read the book. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, well, of course, <laughs> Sorry, I mean, beyond, beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I mean, I, I would say, again, to make sure, like I said, that you are hearing the voice of God and and really, really m- examine yourself. Like, what do I want out of life? You know, because mm. I'm not, it's not a salvation issue, I don't think. But we have a choice. Like, what kind of story do we want our story Love to be? That. Like, like when we're, we come to the end of our life, what do we want our story to be? And I think this is a question we all have to ask ourselves. And, and you can't write your own story, one way or the other, by the way. Uh, but, but you can decide what kind of story that you want people to tell about you at the end of your life. Is it going to be, well, he or she, they did the safe thing. They did the safe stuff that everybody does, you know, but no one makes, no one writes books about those people. No, no one, no one makes movies about those people. Or, or do you want to have the kind of story that when you look back, you can say, I don't know, but God did it. That's the kind of story I want. And so that's why I've made the decisions that I've made is because I want to be able at the end of my life. Um, God gave me a song the other day as I was walking. He said, I want you to write the story that gives you glory. That's what I want. And that's kind of the core decision you have to make. And, and whether that takes you to Korea or whether that takes you down the street to your neighbor or whether that takes you into wherever that takes you, uh, it's gonna, it, it will challenge you. But at the, at the end, you will have a story, man. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their story. And they did not love their own lives even unto death. That's how they overcame. And that's just, that, so, so that would be, maybe my parting wisdom what kind of story do you want story one story two i want story two i want to live that adventure i don't want to just pay somebody else to do it for me i want to live it amen well said hope Brett, what an honor to sit here with you today thank you for being on the show yes, thank we speak you. blessing over all that you are putting your hand to thanks a lot man amen